This morning as we get started, um, I want to read a quote that I've mentioned a couple different times. And it's from Martin Luther, and it speaks to the times that we're in. It speaks to the, the theme that we're working on, is that Martin Luther said, if you preach the gospel in all aspects, with exception of the issues which deal specifically with your time, you are not preaching the gospel at all. So, as I bring the word this morning, we're going to be talking about a battle plan. And how many of you are in a battle right now? Yeah. Anybody? Okay. Whether you realize it or not, every single one of us sitting here is in a battle. Okay. You may not want to admit that, you may not want to think about it, but we are in a battle. The problem is we try and see things with our natural eyes, and we're not in a natural battle. The things that we see going on around us sometimes are the symptoms of the spiritual battle. So later this morning, I'm going to get to that we have notes for you that you can fill in. There's some things for you to follow along. I've got a lot of scriptures I'm going to throw at you this morning, so bear with me. One of the things that we're really trying to push the church towards, toward the body of Christ and each individual person, is what was said in Isaiah chapter 58. Um, God's speaking through Isaiah, and he says that he's talking about a fast, but he says, what fast have I chosen? And this is what God wants to happen when we seek after him, is it's to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. So just the beginning of that is what God wants. He doesn't want us just coming to church on Sunday morning and doing a checklist. Okay, I've gone to church on Sunday, I'm good for the rest of the week. He created us for a purpose, and that purpose involves a battle that each one of us is in. And so whether, again, you recognize it or not, that's what I want to do, is I want you to open up your eyes to what's happening around us. Um, here we are in the hub this morning, you know, the sports complex that we've built here to be an outreach. And so I want to use a sports quote also. How many of you know who Tony Dungy is? Any of you that follow football know who Tony Dungy is? He won the Super Bowl with the Steelers in the 70s um, as a player, and then he won as a coach with the Colts and I think it was 06 or 07. So this is Tony Dungy's quote from just a few weeks ago. Today we are a divided country and Satan is laughing at us because that is exactly what he wants. Dysfunction, mistrust, and hatred help his kingdom to flourish. We have to realize we are not fighting against other people. We are fighting against Satan and his kingdom of spiritual darkness. That's the battle we're in. We look around again and everybody's you know, sitting here, we're having a semi-good morning, right? A little warm, a little humid, but Praise God we're here. He's given us an opportunity to serve him. One more day. What are we going to do with the day? Ephesians 6.12 ties right into what Tony Dungy says. Because we do not wrestle or battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we're in a battle. Ephesians 6.12 points it out that it's a spiritual battle. We're battling the forces of evil, the forces of darkness, and Satan is the head of it. He's trying to disrupt the kingdom of God. And how he does that is by many different ways, and that's one of the things we're going to look at this morning is what is he doing? 
How is he trying to disrupt the plans of God? Um, all of us sitting here, we make plans. Okay, some have plans to get married, some have plans to start a family, retirement plans, plans to take a vacation. You know, Jordan and Kira shared a little bit about the plans that God revealed to them. And last week, AJ was talking about the, from the book of Nehemiah, and I'm going to kind of misquote him a little bit, but paraphrase it maybe. And he said that often we make plans, have a good idea, let's go do something, let's do this, let's do that. And then we ask God to bless that plan after we've messed it up. Or when we think it could be going better, God, please bless my plan. Wouldn't it be so much easier and better if we first sought God and said, God, what's your plan? What did you put me here for? And I ask that question all the time. What am I doing here? Why did God create me? What's my purpose in your plan? And so when we ask that question, if we hear what God's plan is for our lives, we don't have to ask him to bless it. It's already going to be blessed because we're stepping into what he wants us to do. And if you have the opportunity sometime, take Jordan and Kira out to lunch, and they'll share the things that God's been doing as they've stepped into the plan that he revealed for their family. Things that they're saying, that's not possible. How could that timing work? It's because God had a plan and they're stepping into it. So each one of us, we need to find out what God's plan is and how we fit into it, and then the blessings will flow. We don't have to be desperate for them. Now, Ann and I had plans years ago. We've been married going on, well, just over 32 years now. And we got engaged in 1988. And one of our plans was our marriage was going to be in 89, June of 89. And we were going to go to Jamaica for our honeymoon. We were planning it, trying to figure out the flights and where we were going to stay. And Hurricane Gilbert came along and devastated Jamaica in September of 88. So our plans had to change. We went to the Poconos instead. Okay? But when you make your own plans, you need to find out what God wants for you first. Because plans can change. Um, again shared many things from history with you guys. Um, that's not going to end. Who in here has heard of the Maginot Line? A couple of you? All right, World War II, going back quite a few years. The Maginot Line was the French people's attempt to have a plan to protect themselves. After World War I, um, the Germans had invaded. They'd, you know, France was the site of a lot of the major battles during World War I, and the countryside was devastated. And so as Germany recouped from the, you know, the ravages of World War I, all the treaty restrictions that were put on them, is they started rearming. They started building back up their military against the treaties that they'd signed. And so the French decided, we better make a plan. So in 1929, the French started building what is called the Maginot Line. And what they did is they built a heavy set of fortifications for, between their border and Germany's border. And if we were to leave Russell, Pennsylvania right now, and travel to Philadelphia, the far corner of Pennsylvania, that's about how long the border between France and Germany is. They fortified that entire length of border, 280 miles approximately. And some of the fortifications were over 16 miles deep. So it wasn't just a thin line that they had along the border. Some of the fortifications and the different layers of defense that they had, 16 miles deep. They had 
fortresses, they had redoubts, all kinds of things to protect their border from Germany coming across again and doing the devastation. 500,000 soldiers manned this line. Okay. 1939 comes along, Germany starts another war. Did the Maginot Line work? Those of you that know what the Maginot Line is. Don, did the Maginot Line work? It did not. Because the enemy does not always adhere to your plan. What they did, what the Germans did, the Nazis did, is they bypassed the Maginot Line and they went through Belgium. France didn't think they needed to fortify the Belgian border with their with France, so they didn't fortify it as heavily. And the Germans came through in a matter, in six weeks from the start of the attack, France fell. And the Germans never had to try and go through the Maginot Line, which would have required hundreds of thousands of deaths again, probably. So our plans don't always work the way we think they should. And so we have to find out what God's plan is. And one of our good friends now with the ministry with Praise Fellowship that we've had here is a man named Basil Boz. How many of you remember Basil? Boz. Okay. Um, the work that he does is amazing. God's using him in a very unique way, a very strong way. And what they do is they go and rescue kids that have been kidnapped, stolen, put into trafficking. And they don't just say, well, there's a kid in Detroit, we're going to go grab him. Okay. What they do is those of you that are military, have you ever heard of a five-paragraph order? Okay. If you're in the military, you know what a five-paragraph order is. It's not just, there's the kid, let's go grab him. They actually do recon. They actually find out what their assets are. They, they understand what their talents and their giftings are. They know what kind of equipment they need. And they will scout the area. They will figure out who's against them, who's going to be resisting them. And they do some very detailed work. They have a battle plan, even if it's just one kid, is that they will do a very intense five-paragraph order. So to a much lesser degree, that's what I want to share with you guys this morning, is we're going to make a battle plan. We're going to make a five-paragraph order to deal with the battle that we're in. So the battles that we're all in are different. Again, some of us are fighting addictions, battling addictions. Some are, you know, battling family problems. We're all having our own issues, our own battles that we're in right now. But the Word of God applies to every single battle that we're in. There's no limit to what God's Word will come against. And everything that we're talking about, you know, even the morality decline in this country, the issues that we're facing in confusion, all the different things that we're seeing are symptoms of the spiritual battle that we're in. Okay? It's only symptoms. The things that we see on the surface, and again, you know, as a doctor, one of the things that you know, people always want to tell you what their symptoms are. And one of the examples I use in my office a lot of times, I tell people, um, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Jordan, I'll pick on you since you're here, is I don't see any knives sticking out of your legs right now. Okay, if you had a knife sticking out of your leg, would it hurt? Yes. It should. Okay, but the pain that you're feeling isn't the problem. The problem is you got a knife sticking in you. Okay, so if you just ignore the problem and take some really good painkillers, have you taken care of the problem? No, you've just eliminated the symptom. And a lot of times that's what we want to do with our own lives. We want to do things to alleviate the symptoms without actually dealing with the problem, the root of the problem. And so God's plan in the one song we sang, you know, free indeed, is that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
that's what we need. That's what we need to understand. What has Christ done for us? And part of knowing what Christ has done for us is also understanding who we are. There's so many aspects to the battle that we have to understand. Um, so does God have a plan? Does God have a plan for us? Yes. Okay. It starts with his plan of salvation. You know, Kira shared a little bit about that, that every single one of us sitting here, and that's one of the first scriptures I'm going to share with you eventually, is I don't care who you are, how long you've been walking with Christ, is we all have the same problem. We're all sinners. Okay. And the only help for our sin is what Christ did on the cross. And the cross, you know, normally the cross is up behind me when we're in the sanctuary, but we'll look way up there, the cross up there. What Christ did on that cross is the only thing that's going to set us free. And so to know what God's plan is, we have to understand what we need. And so if you want to look at your handout, the first weakness, or excuse me, the first part of that, first part of the battle plan is I have to know my own weaknesses. I have to know what my limitations are, what things are going to limit my ability to be in this battle. So again, if you have your hand out there the, on the back of it, the first one of knowing my weaknesses, and again, there are many. If you want to take personal notes and you can write your own weaknesses down, and there are things that you can bring to God to bring to the cross and say, God, I need healed of these things. I need to be, repent of these things. But the first one, as you see the notes in Romans 3.23, is the first weakness that you have is you're a sinner. You know, I wrote down, I am a sinner. And Romans 3.23 says that. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does that exclude anybody? Is, when we say all, who does that include? Every single one of you sitting here, you are a sinner. And it is because of the sin in you that Christ eventually died on the cross for you. It's because that was the only way to redeem you from hell. So the first weakness that you have is you're a sinner. The second weakness, coming out of Matthew 26, is I'm human. Okay, anybody in here not human? Okay, let's clear that up right now. So Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says, Jesus is speaking to the disciples after they fell asleep while he was off praying. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the fact that we're human, we have limitations. This flesh and blood that we were created in it has its limitations. We can't go for hours and hours and hours and hours without resting. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about fasting. Is you can go for days and weeks without eating, but you're going to get weak. You're going to get ornery. You know, there's the Snickers commercial. When you don't eat, you get angry, right? Okay? We have our limitations. And Jesus faced those same temptations, those same weaknesses that we had because he came in the flesh. So one of the weaknesses that we have is the fact that we're human, that we're made out of flesh and bone, and it needs food, it needs rest, it needs nourishment, it needs the air that we breathe. You know, shut your oxygen off for a few minutes, things aren't going to go well for you. So we need the air to breathe. We need these things to be strong and healthy. Um, Proverbs chapter 18, and this is a really important one. Um, this is one of those ones that um, really will speak. 
In Proverbs 18, 14, it says, The spirit of man will sustain itself through sickness, but a wounded spirit who can bear. So Jordan's got that knife sticking out of his leg, and we pull it out because we like him after a few days. Okay? His flesh will heal itself if it's given the opportunity, and that's an obvious thing. But a wounded spirit, what's it mean to have a wounded spirit? That something has happened in your life that has traumatized your very being. And that's harder to overcome because it's not as obvious. And because a lot of times we ignore the spiritual aspect of who we are. Because we're a triune being. We have three parts to us. We've got the body, the flesh. We also have our soul and then our spirit. The spirit is a part of us that's reborn when Christ comes into our lives. So having a wounded spirit, a wounded soul, means something has happened to you in a way that you've been abused, that you've had verbal things said about you that just destroyed you. And that's where a lot of addictions come in, is addictions, one of the classes that we teach is called the Conquer Series. And one of the things, the principles that they lay out there is that all addictions are the ways that we medicate our pain. So whatever the addiction is, hundreds, thousands of addictions that can be out there, every one of them is a way that we're trying to medicate the pain to protect ourselves. But God wants us to open up our pain and reveal it to him, allow him to heal us. And the only way we can do that is to understand that we have a wounded spirit or a wounded soul, and then allow him to bring healing into our lives. So a wounded spirit is one of our big weaknesses. And this is one, um, the next one in is, <clears throat> excuse me, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12. If you see a man who's wise in his own eyes, there is more hope of a fool than for him. Okay. And the thing I want you to write down there is, I don't know everything. That if I think I'm wise and I know all things, I'm a fool. And my wife is being very restrained right now. Because, and actually I'll take you back to my um, high school years is I never thought I was that smart. Because I thought the smart kids were the ones that did really good in math. Because I hated math. Wasn't good at it, so I didn't like it. Amen. And so I thought the kids that were doing the calculus and the trigs and that, those are the really smart kids. But that's what their area of gifting is. So if you guys are good, you know, if any of you are good in math in here, great. I was good at, you know, understanding history and you know, enjoying history. That's where my gifting fell. And so I've come to learn that those that have one gifting aren't any better than the other. It's just the gifting that God has given you. It's for a purpose. He didn't you know, want me to be good at math, thankfully, because I was not good at it. And our son-in-law, for example, he spends entire weekends doing one math problem. Why? <laughs> okay. But that's his gifting. Is that's what you know he's doing as a living. He's a professor of you know mathematics and research operations. But my struggle was that I like to understand what I'm saying before I say it. I like to be in control. I don't want to be a fool. Okay? And so sometimes if you're saying things that you're not an expert in or have knowledge of, you may sound like a fool. But to think that you know all things is a dangerous place to be. Because nobody knows everything. If we took all the combined knowledge that we have in this room right now, we still wouldn't even hit a fraction of the knowledge that's out there. 
And so, but we do know somebody who knows it all. Okay? The Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe. He knows all that there is. So why would we try and rely on our own wisdom, on our own intelligence, our own knowledge, when we can lean on him and say, God, what do I need to know? What's the knowledge I need for this moment? What's the wisdom I need for this moment? And allow him to download, to reveal to us what it is we need to know. So not, not knowing everything or the desire to know everything. Um, you know, I've got a doctor's degree you know, in chiropractic. I've got a bachelor's degree in um, Bible ministry. Um, do I know everything even in those areas? No. I may know some things more than you guys do. You know, hopefully, you're all thinking that if you come to me as a chiropractor, you hope I know more than you do about the human body, right? But I do not know all things and I don't need to. I need to know what I need to do to do, to do my job well. What is your job? Your job is to glorify God. How do you do that? By understanding that you have weaknesses, to know that there are things that you cannot do. And if everything that you're doing right now in an attempt to glorify God is being done in your own strength, you're not doing enough. Because if you can do it in your own strength, in your own wisdom, you're not relying on God to really break through and do things that need to be done. Because again, if we look around this region, around the country, the world, the church needs to step it up. That we need to step up and take back from the darkness what Satan has been taking. He's encroaching on the kingdom of God because people are apathetic. Because we say, well, it doesn't affect me. Because it doesn't affect this region right now. But if we take that attitude, his kingdom, like Tony Dungy said, Satan's laughing at us. Because he's winning. He's taking a little bit of ground and a little bit of ground each day. So the first part of the battle plan is understanding that I'm weak. That I have my limitations. The second part of the battle plan is to know my strengths. Okay? Know your weaknesses, know your strengths. So the weaknesses are things that you know, we all have. We all have strengths too. So the first strength comes out of Ephesians chapter 2. And that first strength that I have is I was created for his purpose. Pretty simple statement. But he created every single one of you. Put your own name in that phrase, that I was created for his purposes. And Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in them, or he has planned that we should walk in them. So when he created you, he had a plan and a purpose for your creation. And that purpose is to serve him, to share with him others the things that he's done you done in your life how he's delivered you from whatever the addiction is how he's delivered you from you know a sinful lifestyle that those things that you have been delivered from is your strength the things that you were your weaknesses the things that so easily beset you the things that dragged you down and beat you up the things that you have been delivered from are now your strength because you can now speak into other people's lives in a way that nobody else can because when you've been delivered from something you are now a powerful testimony of the grace of God and the mercy of God. So the first strength is you were created for his purpose. The second strength we have is out of John chapter 14, verses 16 and 26. 
verse 14 says, I will pray to the Father. Jesus says, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And then over in verse 26, the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things back to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. So our second strength is we have the strength of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that when Christ ascended into heaven, he sent another comforter. He sent the Holy Spirit to walk with us through the rest of our lives. So again, it's not in our own strength. It's in the strength of the Holy Spirit. It's not in our knowledge. It's in the knowledge of the Holy Spirit that he sent the Holy Spirit to take us and do things with us that we can never do on our own. So the second strength is he gave us the Holy Spirit. The next one is he gives us gifts and talents. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit all. For one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, another faith, to another the gifts of healing, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, and to another diverse kinds of tongues, and another the interpretation of tongues. So the Holy Spirit came and he gave us gifts. That he didn't just come empty-handed and said, I'm going to walk with you. But he also said, you know, I think Jordan referred to the tool belt. Is we now have a tool belt that actually has tools in it. That if you need a word of knowledge, it's in the tool belt. Holy Spirit, I need a word. We ask the Holy Spirit and he's come equipped. He's come to give us gifts so that we can walk this thing out. Not in our own power or our own intellect, but in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he's going to walk with us through this lifetime. So we have to lean on the Holy Spirit to understand truly what power we have. The next thing on the list in knowing my strengths is to understand that he protects you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Everybody's familiar with this one. It's the armor of God. It says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the plans of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the rulers of darkness of the world, <clears throat> spiritual wickedness in high places. So take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in that evil day and having done all to stand. So one of my strengths is he gives us armor. He gives us his word. He gives us the faith. He gives us salvation. All the different things that you read if you read the rest of Ephesians 6 there is he gives us those things so that as we stand in the battle, armor isn't just for standing around watching the battle. It's for being in the battle. So we need to put on the armor of God every single day, that it should be one of your routines, if you will. You start out in the morning, and God, bless me with the helmet of salvation. Take on the breastplate of righteousness and remind yourself of the things that we have to help protect us as we walk this thing out. And again, part of our problem is the battle is spiritual. I mean, if we lived in the, you know, the 12th century and you'd see knights walking around in full armor, it's because the things that they were trying to protect themselves were against you know, arrows, pikes, swords, things that they could you know, kill them. And so they had to fully protect their body because without the body, you don't serve your king anymore. We need to put on spiritual armor because we're serving our king. But the spiritual armor is spiritual. It's protecting the important part of us, the spirit and the soul. This thing is important. 
You know, the flesh and blood that we're made up of is important because it's the wrapper. It's the vehicle that our spirit and our soul are walking this thing out through. So when we approach people, we approach people as flesh and blood. But it's the spirit and the soul inside of us that needs to really be protected. That's the part of us that can speak to people's problems because the flesh and the blood, it's temporary. You know, not to be a downer, but we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So what are we doing with the things that God has given us today? Are we living out his life to the fullest today? Or are we just going through the motions? You know, God forbid that we're just going through the motions, that we need to be about the Father's business. And that's one of the things Jesus said. So he protects us. Um, the last thing on the knowing our strengths is John 3.16. I don't think I even need to read that one. We all know that one. It's at football games still sometimes. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish. So what is one of my strengths? It's his love. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's why I put that one at the end. His love is the strength that we need. His love is what purchased me from hell. His blood is what trains me to understand the battle that I'm in. It's his love that this is all about, and it's not the love as the world defines it, okay? Love is not what you want it to be. God is love. One of the shortest verses in scripture, God is love. He doesn't have love, he doesn't feel love, he is love. The, the very persona of God is love. And we struggle to understand that because we're so finite because we don't understand who he is and what he is all encompassing. And one of the favorite things I heard years ago is that God's love is so massive that he does not reveal all of his truth at one time to us. Because if he did, it would kill us. Let's think about that for a minute. If all of God's truth, if all of God's glory were to be revealed to us at one moment, this thing could not handle it. So God in his mercy and his love, he gives us a little bit at a time, as much as we can handle. It's like, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Okay? How do you understand God's love? You take it in a little bit at a time. He allows us to experience as much of his glory as he knows we can handle. And so knowing our strengths is knowing that he loves us. And the one thing I want you to kind of get a grasp on is all of our weaknesses are countered by his strengths. And my strengths are only because of him. Because all of the strength that I have in my natural ability is worthless. Can I do what God has created me to do in my own strength and my own power? Not very well. I need his strength, I need his power, that those are the things that are gonna drive his kingdom forward, but he wants to use each one of us. And I'll speak to each one of you individually, that as you know, one person sitting here, what does God want to do with your life? He wants to take you and make you a vessel of his glory. He wants to take you and reach other people. He wants you to reach out into the darkness with the light that he has put inside of you through his love and be an inspiration, be a beacon to other people that are lost and dying. It starts with one person. It starts with one life. But then he wants us to come together corporately. That's why we gather on Sundays. It's because he wants us to come together and draw strength 
from his collective presence. And I shared this a few weeks ago, is that if we took all of the power of God in each one of us and we used it for his plan, we could change this region. Do you believe that? That's why we're here. I mean, if you're here just because this is a fun thing to do on a Sunday morning, we're missing the boat. I mean, I mean, shouldn't maybe use missing the boat with all the flooding we've had, right? But we're not here just to hear, you know, good stories. We're not here to, you know, just understand that this is what we do traditionally on a Sunday morning. We are here to be equipped. Ephesians 4.12 is a scripture I use in the ISIM class all the time. Is Ephesians 4.12 says we are to be equipped for the works of ministry. The saints are to be equipped for the works of ministry. And I want to change the wording of that just temporarily. Is he wants to equip us for the battle. We're in the battle. We need to understand that. That the, why you're here is to be equipped. To be put back into the battle and save lives. Redeem lives. And so the third part of the battle plan, um, next week I'll be carrying on um, part two of the battle plan. Um, I have six things all together, even though I talked about a five-paragraph order, I've got six. Not that I'm better than the military, but just that's how I arranged it. Um, the third part of the battle plan is to know Christ. And this is not just knowing him based on some facts, based on some things you've read in the Bible. It's about the experience that you have with him in your life. It's about knowing him intimately. Um, right now, who can tell me who our current president is? Okay. Joe Biden. Let's just, we'll leave it at that. Who knows what his wife's name is? What is his wife's name? Okay. What state did he represent when he was in the Senate? Okay. Um, how old is he? I mean, we can go on and on. My point is, do any of these things get you into the White House? Absolutely not. Knowing facts about somebody isn't the issue. We could, you know, we could dig into Joe Biden's history and tell you where he went to grade school. None of that is going to get you into the presence of him in the White House. Okay. The same thing with Jesus. You can tell me where he was born. You can tell me when he was born. You can tell me who his parents were. You can tell me you know, who his disciples were. You can tell me facts about him. But are any of those things going to get you into the kingdom of heaven? Absolutely not. It has to be an intimate knowledge of who he is and what he did on the cross. It has to be a personal relationship with him. I can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. It's between you and him. Anything other than that is you're fooling yourself. And unfortunately, that's part of Satan's plan. Is if he can get you to under or think that by coming to church on Sunday is a good thing, and you're going to get into heaven because of that, you're being fooled. It all comes down to the relationship and him dying on the cross and you accepting that you're a sinner. First point of my weaknesses, I am a sinner. And the only way away from that, the only cleansing I can get is to understand who Christ is and what he did on the cross. So Luke chapter 3, verse 22. Knowing Christ. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and praying the heavens were open. 
and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily shape like a dove, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. So the first thing we need to know about Christ is he is the son of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So knowing that he is the son of God immediately eliminates a lot of other cults and religions that recognize Jesus as a prophet, recognize Jesus as a great teacher, but they say he is not the son of God. They consider that blasphemy. They consider that irreligious. So the first thing that we need to understand is that he is the son of God. The second thing is Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, is he's creator of all. And it says in Colossians, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all these things were created by him and for him. So he was the creator of all things that we see and even the things that we don't see. Ephesians 6, where it talks about that we don't battle against flesh and blood, the powers and the principalities that we battle against, Christ created them. They're not doing what he created them to do, but that's part of the battle that we're in, is the things that were created by him. And so keep that in mind, is he created all things, right? We're all clear on that. There's nothing that was created that he did not create. Important point. Go on into the next point. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57. <clears throat> it says, O death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So even death was conquered by him. Sin was conquered by him. So when we know Christ, we have to understand that the thing that has separated us from God, our sin, he's conquered it. He's overcame it through his blood on the cross. And so the third thing we need to know about is that he conquered it. He overcame all. And just another scripture that backs that up is six, John 16. <clears throat> These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. And let me rephrase that or restate that. You're going to have trouble in this lifetime. Anybody ever tells you that you come to Christ and life gets easy? They're lying to you. Okay? That as you come into the kingdom of God... Satan's not pleased with that, and he's going to buffet you. He's going to bring tribulation into your life to try and frustrate you, to try and have you not hone in on the things of God. Yeah. But in verse 33, it says, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Yeah. He's conquered it. He's overcome the sin of the world. He's overcome death. He has overcome all the things that he created that rebelled against him. He is in authority over those things. The next one should bring us all comfort. Fifth point in knowing Christ is he lived as a man. I mean, it's a simple statement. But he says in, hold on. I skipped one. All right, we're all, all authority. He's given us all authority. Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And so Jesus has been given all power and authority on earth and in heaven over all of his creation. And the thing that I want you to really hold on to here is what it says in Luke chapter 10. Jesus speaking to them. He says, Behold, I give to you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus was given all authority and power on earth, right? In Luke chapter 10, he turns around and says, I give it to you. So the power and authority that he walked in, that he raised the dead from death, that he conquered sin, is he gave us that same authority. That's why he was able to say that I've given you the power and the authority that was given to me. So we need to walk in that. And I want to just read something real quickly to you, um, kind of an analogy to help us understand exactly what authority we have. Um, the authority that Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, is not brute force power. It's delegated power. And I was going to ask a couple of my police buddies to stand up for this, but you guys can stay where you're at. Um, when a policeman steps out in front of traffic and holds up his hand to stop it, is he stopping traffic in his own power and his own strength? Okay. Rick, do you want to step out on 62 and your own power and authority stop all the traffic? Okay. In his brute force that he has, that's not going to go very well for him. So please don't do it. All right? He's not stopping the cars and trucks with his own brute strength, but if he has his uniform on and flashes his badge, he's stopping them with the delegated authority that comes from wearing the uniform. He's backed by the law. That's the authority we have in Christ. You're not stopping the forces of darkness, sickness, fear, evil, lack, addictions. You're not stopping those things with your own strength. You're stopping them with a delegated authority given to you by God in Christ. You're backed by all the power of God. That's the authority we need to walk in, is the power and the authority of Christ because it's been given to us. We've been delegated that authority that in Christ's name, we have authority over all creation. All right. Hebrews chapter 4, and this is the fifth point. Jesus lived as a man. He walked the earth just like you and I are doing right now. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our sicknesses or infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet he did it without sin. Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So everything that you're going through, no matter how isolated you feel, no how much you've been convinced that you're the only one going through it, right there in that scripture, in the book of Hebrews, we're told that he was tempted and he was experienced everything that we did without sinning. So whatever your burden is right now, whatever the things that you're going through in your marriage and your family, Christ understands it because he lived it in the flesh also. So don't think that you're alone and that there's nothing that can be done to help you. And then, and then the last point, the last point was he lived as a man. This one is he is love. And I've already hit that a little bit. He is love. In John 15 it says, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. <clears throat> You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I've called you friends. 
For all things that I've heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. So how much does he love us? Enough that he laid his life down on the cross for you. You know, each one of you individually put your name there. That he died for rich. He died for fill in your name. Is that none of us are exempt from the love of Christ. He did it for every single one of us, no matter what your situation is, no matter how you feel about your life right now, is he is there to draw you back into his love. So don't, don't try and do it in your own strength. Don't try and do it in a way that you think is best. Is lean on God. Lean on the strength that he wants to give you. Um, Philippians chapter 2 kind of sums this all up. Jesus Christ, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in this fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay. So that's our battle plan right there, is who is Christ? And more than just who is Christ, who is Christ in your life? Are you walking this thing out again, trying to figure it out on your own, trying to you know, make it just one more day? Or are you saying, God, show me. Show me the things I need to know. Show me the things that I need to bring into my life to truly walk in the power and the authority that you've given me. And part of it's, it's just knowing that. I mean, how many people in your life are out there that do not know Christ because you've never told them? How many people in your lives are struggling with their marriage, struggling with addictions because you've never told them that there is a way out of it in Christ? If you don't tell them, who's going to? If you say you love someone, but you don't tell them about the gospel, you don't tell them about the changes that God has done in your life, do you really love them? I mean, that's a harsh way to maybe end this. But if you tell me that you love somebody and you've never shared this with them, Where's your love? So the battle plan is to know that I'm weak. It's to know that I have strength only because of the word of God, because of what Christ did on the cross. And it's knowing Christ and what he's done. That's the first part of the battle plan. Next week we'll continue on. Um, and even though we're in the hub, this is always something that, you know, is the altar is always open. That if you've got something, a burden that's been weighing heavy on you, don't leave here with it. If you need someone to pray with you, come and ask. That's the, one of the biggest problems, again, guys especially, is we don't want to ask for help. We don't want to ask for directions. So guys, well, women, you too, but guys, don't leave here trying to figure this thing out on your own. Don't be the lone wolf. Don't be the hero because that's not going to get you anywhere. We're called to be a body, and a body needs all of its parts to function properly. Again, I'm not going to do it, but if I were to stand here and rip my pancreas out, okay, I'd still be alive, but I wouldn't be a whole person anymore. I would be weak and limited in what I was doing. So don't be a weak member of the body. Find out what God wants you to do and how his plans, or how you fit into his plans. So if you would, let's... Everybody stand. Close in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for opening our eyes that we are in a battle, that we will not just go through the motions trying to make it one more day, one more day closer to retirement, one more day to the end of the work week again. Don't. That the struggles that we have are real. And Lord, we ask you to just come into our lives. Reveal us the weaknesses that we have, the places that we lack, and the areas that just, Lord, you want to work in us. You have a blessing that you want to pour out on each individual here, on this corporate body, but also on the region, that you want us to stand up and take our place in your kingdom so that this place can be changed, so that the light can shine in the darkness, and that your name will be glorified through all of us. We give you the glory. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your sacrifice. And in Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, go ahead and have a blessed day. Um, there's refreshments if you need them. Disciple tickets are for sale in the back corner there. Be blessed and ask for help if you need it.